Hey everybody and welcome to episode 55 of the podcast. I am your host, Madeline Victoria Moon, and today we have a very insightful guest talking about some topics that I have had people reach out asking if I would finally address. And I'm really excited because Noelle Tarr is an expert on these subjects and she is such an inspirational woman. I was honestly, I was gushing throughout this episode because we are so very alike in so many different ways and I've never actually been able to talk to Noelle and today was the first time that we got to speak over Skype and it was so much fun and I am definitely going to have to have her back on the show to talk about some more issues that I know need to be addressed on this podcast, but I'm really excited for this episode. Um, Noelle was such a treat to talk to, and I think a lot of y'all will resonate with her story. She is the author of the blog Coconuts and Kettlebells. She has a passion for eating and moving like a human, supporting her local farms, any product that she can make from coconut oil, and her considerably large but very necessary collection of workout shoes. Noelle has a bachelor's degree in public relations and marketing, and she's a nutritional therapy practitioner certified by the Nutritional Therapy Association. She's the writer behind all of the posts you'll find on her site, coconutsandkettlebells.com, and she also writes for other publications, including Wellness Magazine. As you'll hear in the intro of this podcast, I am talking about an article that I found Noelle through called Why She Doesn't Have Six-Pack Abs, and I'm going to have the link to this article in the show notes for this episode, maddiemoon.com slash mbm. 55. So I really recommend that you read this article whenever you get a chance so you'll know what the heck I'm talking about. And further notice, currently I am coming to you from Alabama and I am on vacation relaxing on the beach with a pretty pink drink that has an umbrella in it. And I am with my amazing boyfriend and 40 family members. So if you email me this week, Please keep in mind that I am on my vacation and I will be checking emails here and there and I will be on social media here and there. But if you don't really hear from me, I am having a blast on the beach and just relaxing and hopefully I will get a couple tan lines, maybe, if I'm lucky. I'm pretty white. I don't know. But I am having such an amazing time and the water here is so crystal clear and I'm pretending like all of you wonderful individuals are here with me and we're having a beach party because if it were up to me, y'all would all be here too. Maybe I will invite you next time I go. Um, But anyways, I am ready for the show. Real quickly, let's get to the review of the week. This is from LEGG. It says, amazing with five stars. This podcast is amazing, inspirational, motivating, enlightening, and a smorgasbord of other positive adjectives that exist. I love it, and I look forward to every new episode. Thank you so much, beautiful Ellie. I look forward to publishing every episode, and I think you're going to enjoy this one. So let's go head on over to the show. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. The show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. 
Noel, I first discovered you when a article that you wrote was sent over to me that I have given to so many different clients and it's one of my favorite articles. And that's one thing I'm going to say about your blogs. They're extremely relatable and also really shareable. But the one that you wrote about um, why you don't have six pack abs, like I just have to commend you for it because it was just like if I was ever to write a post about why six pack abs aren't the most important thing in my life, that would have been it. So I have to say thank you for writing that post. Yeah, yeah. It honestly, it took a long time for for me to kind of kind of work up the nerve. Like this is happening. I'm putting this out there. I have all these pictures and I'm putting it on the web. It, I, I typically you know, I don't necessarily love showing off my body. I've kind of developed that, that love and that confidence now. And no matter even what I look like, whether it's a good or a bad day. Um, but I spent so many years, Maddie, like hiding, trying to untag myself from photos I didn't like and make sure I always looked the best in certain photos and tried to hide my stomach because it didn't seem all chiseled and perfect. And so this was super empowering for me to come out and be like, okay, here I am. Um, And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm pretty confident in myself and my body. And I just want everybody else to feel the same way and kind of feel this new... um, just empowerment that I feel. So I was trying to, uh, you know, give that to people through through the article. But um, so question, did you yeah. f- did you like feel after you, you know, hit publish on that post? Did you feel what, what kind of emotions were you going through? I'll just ask. I was super like nervous, like it was like an adrenaline, you know, kind of. Eh. And so I actually Stephanie and I, Stephanie Ruper, we're, we're pretty close and we are always in contact. And I had her read it and she said it was fabulous. And so like I had a little bit of like, OK, this is cool. Like, I think this will go over well. But I actually I published it and I didn't like promote it on my social media channels for a little bit like I gave myself like 10 to 12 hours and I just shared it with people that were kind of on the inside track like my friends or other bloggers and and everybody kind of was like oh this is great I think this will do great and so I again I needed a little bit of like okay I just did this this is happening and then once people started to share it it was like a super awesome feeling like yes this is like this is resonating with people like this is making an impact so of course then I got a lot of la- like you know people who hated on me for it too mm-hmm. so it was it was a it was a lot of ups and downs of like wow why would people think that about me and you know should I care and should I respond and and so it was a lot of positive and negative kind of emotions that I had to work through um throughout you know a couple of weeks to be honest as it as it got shared around so Yeah, I can relate on different levels just because it's interesting. Like, I think your story, actually. So there's stuff that goes on behind the scenes that you don't even know about, right? So Mm -hmm. someone reads your post and then they're inspired to go write something similar. So for my case, that was kind of me. After I read that post from you, I was like, wow, this is really awesome of her. What can I do to open up more and share something about myself? And that's what led to my Cellulite post. 
where I took a picture of my butt with cellulite, which was like, I did the same exact thing. And I didn't know that you had first sent it to Stephanie. And actually, that's the same thing I did. I sent it to Stephanie and I was like, <laughs> I am so scared to send this out. And she was like, it's great. Go for it. And then I did it. But unlike you, I was like sharing it left and right. <laughs> so I was just like waiting at my computer being like, what are people going to say? What are they going to say? And like, I was on edge, like excited, but nervous. But I definitely had those feelings, you know, a week later, just kind of working through emotions like oh my god the whole world has seen my butt and like reading hundreds of comments of people talking about my butt and it's like something you would not normally experience on a regular day but also just like really empowering when you see someone saying yes like thank you like that's a good feeling absolutely and I think that that's why you and I are both in this business and that's why we're willing to be vulnerable I don't need I don't need congratulations like I don't need like hey you're so confident and and um that was you have so much courage like that was really courageous for you to do that I don't need that that's not what I was doing this for and Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's what you were doing either what I was really doing was saying look I'm one I'm doing this for me because this has been um sort of like shackles to me for my entire life was uh, the fact that I didn't have this perfect six-pack that I thought I needed to be accepted. And so I kind of hid, you know, my body from the world or I tried to portray it in the specific exact way that I wanted everybody to see it in. And so one, it was for me, but two, it was for everybody else because I know that so many women deal with the the mental head game that I did for so long. And I was so... Um, controlled by it. Although I was thinking that I was in control, it was controlling me. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it was more for, for everybody else to really be able to look at it and say, okay, look, this isn't what I'm experiencing isn't normal and I don't have to live this way. So yeah, and kudos to you. And I also agree that I think it is a little bit strange that showing a real body is courageous these days. It's <laughs> like, that yeah. is so brave of you. Like the, um, uh, I remember a while ago, there was the the no makeup campaign um, for I think breast cancer or yeah, I think it was breast cancer, but people were, women were taking pictures of themselves without makeup. And that was a way to raise awareness for breast cancer. And while I understand, I think it was breast cancer. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. But while I understand that it's cool to raise awareness, it was very interesting to read the comments on people's no makeup selfies that said, you're so brave for taking a picture of your face when people are having cancer. And it's like, what? Like, this selfie is brave? Like, why don't we refocus like get back on track to what it's actually about (laughs) right no I totally agree yeah and I'm not trying to say that it didn't take courage or that like it it took it took confidence and it's it I commend people for taking the step out to, you know, portray them. Like for me, like it took, I recognize that it took a certain level of like, okay, this is me. I'm doing this. And yes, I, I'm happy about it. And this is going to be empowering. But um, I agree with you. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> so let's rewind and give us some insight on your background and how you even got to where you are. Yeah. So the short and sweet of it is I had really bad IBS as a kid. I actually had colic as a baby, a lot of issues growing up. As seven, eight, nine-year-old, I started dealing with really severe IBS, and my parents put, put us all on a vegetarian diet. We did something called the Hallelujah Diet, and we did that for quite a while. It got a little restrictive, so we started adding foods back in, like low-fat dairy and you know, the grains and all that stuff. And so from the majority of my high school, I was, you know, 
doing a low-fat vegetarian thing. And I would say probably around 11th grade in, in, in my high school year, you know, Maddie, I've been really trying to think about what was kind of that trigger. So what was the trigger for me that was like, I, I need to lose weight, I'm not good enough. And I'm starting to think that it might have been a lot of things. But um, I'm, I've always been a very confident, <laughs> overly confident person. And I've dealt with pride, you know, my life, I have a hard time apologizing, that sort of thing. So it's I was a cheerleader, I loved being in front of people loved being on stage, always loved to act. So it wasn't necessarily that I felt these massive insecurities. I, I, I try to, I'm trying to figure out exactly where they came from. And one of the events that really made a huge difference in my life was I started to, as I, I stopped doing ballet, I started to um, slowly gain weight. And I didn't really care about it. I didn't really think much of it. But I, I got on the scale one day and I saw what the number was because my friends were getting on the scale. And I kind of clicked with me. I had actually just gotten dumped for uh, a much thinner and blonde chick. So again, that I was making the, the correlation that I was somebody was better than I was because of how they looked. And so it kind of like struck me and I was like, this is why. This is why I'm no longer the desired one. And so from there, I started trying to further restrict my calories with shakes and bars and all of the wonderful things. And over time, as I got into college, all, uh, everything that happens when you go on a restrictive diet started happening. I started, I, I essentially kind of, once I started losing weight, I started wanting to lose more weight. And as people started telling me I was looking really good, I wanted to keep hearing that. And so I thought I was sort of gaining this power over people and this one up. And I thought, look at me, I can do this. I'm, I'm the fitness girl. I'm the health girl. I eat super healthy and everybody thinks of me that way. And so maybe I'm better than them. And I wouldn't have said that then, but that's kind of what I, looking back on it, that's kind of how I started feeling was, hey, look at me. Now I'm the, now I'm the girl that people dump, you know, their girlfriends for. And so I didn't want to be put in that position again. And that's really the first time I've ever said that. But, um, so once I kind of got there, I started getting addicted to that, right? I wanted to, to continue to get that hit of, of you know, love. And I started becoming, I, you know, I was really interested in fitness. I loved it, but I started using it as a way to punish myself and right my wrongs and figure out, um, you know, I had this scorecard in my head all the time of the foods that I was eating that was good or bad. And so if I ate too many bad foods or if I sat too much or whatever, you know, I wanted to manipulate that scorecard with fitness or with restriction. And so, you know, as the story goes, that that lifestyle happened for quite a while, pretty much all, all throughout college. I did dabble in like taking laxatives, but I think that really what I was struggling with was feeling like I needed to do the exercise. So making sure that I restricted or did exercise to right specific wrongs. And that became sort of my MO. And, you know, it, it took a while. I got into doing triathlons and I absolutely loved the sport, but it was really just a way to, con to make excuses to work out a lot. And, I even got into my my career for six years was in the triathlon industry, and I still do love the sport. Um, but I sustained an injury because of how much I was running and how much I was working out. I sustained a very severe in injury at, at age 22. 
And I had low back pain all of the time. I had knee pain. I had Achilles issues. And this one in particular was a hip flexor injury that put me out for a year and a half. And it it sort of sidelined me. And I had to really reevaluate my intentions because now I could no longer use fitness to right my wrongs. And I had to deal with what I was doing and figure out why the heck I was living this way, who I was doing it for. Like, I thought I was doing it for me because it was like, I'm going to be healthy and fast and I want to be the best. And it wasn't. And so it was for everybody else. And it was for me hoping that I could, you know, try to control and manipulate things. But um, so I had to sit there for about a year and a half and really evaluate what the heck was going on. And during that time, I had gotten involved with a CrossFit gym, and um, I was very scared of CrossFit because I was so horrible at it, and I didn't want to do the things that people thought I was bad at. But I had some really good coaches there, and they really were encouraging for me, and one of them in particular is really good at doing um, back rehab stuff. And so I worked with her, and I started to see the way that they were talking about food and nutrition and like, okay, you got to eat fat to lose fat. And I was like, oh, and I, that, even though that was like, hey, maybe that's the secret. I started doing research, that, that kind of spurred me off to start doing research. And I, I really started learning like, oh my gosh, like all of the rules that I thought were like the rules that you should all follow were like not really the rules, right? Like I, like things, other things worked for other people and uh, varying diets, people had all these varying diets and they all kind of worked for people. And so like I started really, it just kind of rocked my world in terms of like changing everything that I thought I had believed to be true. And so I started experimenting with changing my diet. I did try the, you know, I got on the paleo thing and that's a big part of my story too. And As I started eating more fats and kind of being like, hmm, maybe I don't necessarily need to count calories. Maybe I should start listening to my body and seeing what it needs. That helped a lot of with my anxieties. I I struggled. I've struggled with anxiety for a long time. And I think now that it has a lot to do with um, a deficiency in fat soluble vitamins. But once I started eating a lot of good foods, it really helped my mental headspace. I definitely saw that difference. But ultimately, um, I think that as I started really investing more time into kind of, like I said, figuring out, okay, why am I doing this? What's this lifestyle for? And just kind of accepting myself, being confident in my body and saying, look, I'm going to stop doing what I think I need to do and start doing what I think my body needs. And when I started doing that specifically with fitness, because I kind of always like I transitioned my diet to eating lots of good foods and eating what I wanted to. When I specifically started doing that with fitness, it was like a, a game changer for me. I stopped thinking, okay, I have to do this 45-minute you know, bike workout, and then I need to lift, and then I need to do this. And I was like, what do I want to do today? Like, do I want to go for a walk or do I want to lift? Because if I don't want to lift, why am I going to lift? And so I drastically reduced the amount of cardio that I was doing, and I just kind of did the things that I wanted to do, and my body responded so well, and I, like, a lot of just this mental and emotional just anxiety for me was, that's when I started really feeling at peace, so that's kind of where I am now. I mean, I've been, um, I started the, I went back to uh, school and got, became a nutritional therapy practitioner, which really helped a lot, because now I'm really passionate about intolerances and allergies and that sort of thing because I discovered I had some of those things and so I want to help other people specifically with that and so I started my website probably about a year ago and that's what I've been doing since then so 
That was oh, a lot of stuff. Oh my goodness. Okay, <laughs> I've got to first say I've never had a guest on this show that I felt so identical to. Like minus a few things, like triathlons and stuff. But I think our stories are extremely similar, and yeah. a lot of the stuff that you went through, I'm just like I can feel it. Like I completely relate to it, and oh my god, like I'm just so totally girl crushing right now, and I feel like <laughs> such a weirdo. But um, there's one thing you said I want to touch on that. I think would be really useful for a lot of my listeners. And that was the part when you said that you experimented with laxatives, because Mm -hmm. I think that is something a lot of people are, you know, kind of want to do and are ashamed of. And in like the shame is normally what kind of what keeps us in that cycle of doing it. So I'm going to be taking a step up and talking about this with you if you're open to it. Um, But because I actually, whenever I was in some of my darker fitness days, that was something I wanted to do and not healthy. And I, that feeling of just feeling like empty in a way, you know, whether it was food or that, it just felt kind of good just to be empty. How did you come to the conclusion or accept the fact that laxatives aren't like the best option for your body and that your body will take care of it and it will digest things on its own. You know, if, if you just live intuitively, how did you let yourself do that? Mm. Well, so I started taking laxatives my last year in high school because of that exact reason. It was like the empty feeling I loved. And so it was really great. It just felt like it felt like the pill you could take to undo an overeating session. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what it became for me was, oh, I'm getting all of this out of me. Hopefully it doesn't digest and it just it won't make me look bloated and I'll feel good. And so I started doing that into college and I told a few friends about it. A few friends knew and they were really, really like I had awesome friends they were supportive one of my friends she she just she was always like I'm just keeping my mouth shut because she knew that like if she were to push it more on me this is wrong or what are you doing giving me attention for it she knew that it would just like you know play into the issues so she was very smart but I had told a few people and so they knew that I they could see when I was rationalizing what I was eating in my head because they knew that I was such a healthy eater. So when they saw me, like we'd go to like, I don't know, Ryan's or whatever, like whatever the road stop was when we were on our way to games, football games, it was like they could see that I would eat a ton of bad food and they're like, Noel, like what do you, you know, like, or the quote unquote bad food, the food that I, I would never eat. And, um, and uh, to be honest, it it was never like, this isn't right for my body. I need to stop it. It just became so uncomfortable. I remember laying, I had a, uh, I was in my dorm room and I remember laying on my top bunk and waking up at 3 a.m. because I had eaten dinner and felt bad about it and then took laxatives. And I woke up at 3 a.m. with just such severe cramping and I had to run to the bathroom. And this happened usually in the middle of the night consistently. And I think I had taken I'd taken two or three of them, and um, and I think I just one morning woke up and I, I it wasn't like an intentional like today I'm gonna stop. It was just like I can't feel that way. I just felt so bad. And although the empty feeling on the other side was great, it was just like this is really hurting. And growing up with IBS, it it really kind of triggered that like this is I don't want to do this anymore um and so really I probably was only doing it for like two years two and a half years until I was like okay and then I started so what I basically what I did was I transitioned from using laxatives to using exercise and that's when I started working out two to three hours a day to try to negate whatever it was that I ate so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. gotcha well like I 
I get that. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're like you found something else, you know, eventually. <laughs> that too. was better like eating food in a way that helps you to go. But when it comes to IBS, can you tell us what what exactly is IBS? Honestly, it's just a catch-all term for it stands for irritable bowel syndrome and so it's constipation and cramping and diarrhea and bloating and it's usually in response to specific foods or stress in general so mental and emotional stress at the same time and so for me it was even when I was young I could I was I would correlate it with some of the dairy that I was eating I could tell that when I ate and but I you know I for some reason I just didn't say like I'm going to take out the dairy when I was like 9 years old but I could tell that when I ate ice cream I would be in a lot of pain and so it's it's really just in terms of the medical condition it's really just a catch-all term and a lot of what the research is coming out now with is is correlating it with something called SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And that's when there's an imbalance. So your gut has all these really cool gut bugs in your gut. And that's what helps digest food and um, helps keep our gut really healthy. And so if you have this kind of overgrowth or you have like an imbalance, that can cause a lot of disruption because food, specifically carbohydrates, start to ferment in the gut. And so they're actually finding that IBS and, and SIBO are so highly correlated that Typically, you find them both together, and they can't really tell if which one causes the other. Um, but there is something there, and I, there's a lot more research that needs to be done about it. There's, I can't really tell you, oh, this is what causes it. But I do know that a lot of times it's, it's food intolerances or an inability to digest certain types of carbohydrates, specifically short-chain ones. So, Yeah, it's, it's something that I feel like a lot of people think they have, but they're not quite mm-hmm. sure. And a lot of times people that um, I work with or just kind of like the dieting industry today just promotes cutting out a lot of foods in order to, okay, so this is turning into a long question, but basically I've noticed that you can cut out foods that you don't really need to cut out and you create allergies to them because your body kind of forgets how to digest them or you're not using the same acids anymore to digest these things or you're overeating a certain food and you can create a sensitivity to that. Like, for example, when I was going through my bodybuilding stuff, I cut out a ton of food and it was really hard for my body to digest all that food like five months later when it hadn't had any of it for a long time. And then I started creating allergies to the foods that I was eating three times a day, like chicken. Like it, I to this day, it's almost hard for me to, to digest chicken because I ate so mm. much of it. Is this does this happen commonly? Interesting. That's interesting that I have it with chicken. So I will say that what you were experiencing and what a lot of people experience, specifically vegetarians who didn't eat meat for a long time, your body down regulates the processes, the digestive processes that needs to digest protein, for example, like a, a, a heavy dose of meat, your you your body will actually downregulate some of those digestive processes because it's they're no longer needed. So we have enzymes in our body that di- that do digesting that help us digest foods and to add to that you- your gallbladder makes bile you might have heard of that before but bile is what helps us digest fat and to make really high quality bile you need really high quality fats and so if you're eating very low fat or no fat like I was your body does cannot no longer make quality bile. And so when you start eating it again, I've and I've had this happen with a lot of clients, they specifically they have a really hard time digesting fats because their body no longer has the 
substrates to digest fats. So your body does kind of it it morphs along with you whatever you do with it it's going to it's going to downregulate certain processes. Now, in terms of you have, you know, developing sensitivities or allergies to certain foods that you eat, there isn't any like I've I've definitely heard that a lot and I think I definitely think it's valid, but there's no that I could find no scientific literature that really proves or disproves this theory. It's definitely something that I think is possible. I think what is happening here is that there's a condition that's being wildly researched, um, especially in the last like 10 to 15 years. It's called intestinal permeability. And it's when your gut cells kind of loosen and they allow undigested, so proteins that are too large, straight into the bloodstream without actually being digested through the enterocytes, which are your gut cells, and being further broken down. And so if you have these sort of like, you know, leaky gut issues, which a lot of things can cause it, including stress, you actually, your immune system, I think that just, that increases, it increases the amount of exposures that you have to that specific protein and it gives the ability, um, your immune system can create a stronger immune attack on those on those proteins the more that your body is exposed to them potentially through leaky gut. So I, that's that's my thought on that but I I don't have any sort of like okay this is what the literature says on that like I've I've definitely heard that a lot and I eat I eat eggs like every day love them to death and so I actually a few a few months ago I was like I'm just gonna stop eating them for a month to see what happens because I do think that sometimes we have sensitivities of foods we actually really really love and crave um so I I didn't eat that for for a month but then I ate them again and I was absolutely fine so but I, I think that what you experience is absolutely valid for sure I think it, it probably was a little emotional too for you you're like I just don't want this anymore mm-hmm. right you're like oh that's exactly what I was gonna say I think that it, it could be some um biological things but I think even the bigger part is probably I associate chicken with eating stressed in a mm. hurried state in an angry state um very quickly like not using food as love food is only fuel like it had a purpose it needed to get its purpose done and I was anxious so I think eating all that chicken like really got me associating chicken with all these negative things so now when I see chicken I'm just like oh sadness like dark (laughs) days I don't want that you Um, know that is so intuitive I really feel like your body you know when you hear like if if so you have a certain alarm that wakes you up in the morning and then you hear that sound at a different part of the day and you're like oh like you get this almost like stress response and your body does do that your body can can quickly enact a stress response to something that it perceives as stressful so I think that that's so intuitive for you to, to like come to that conclusion but yeah yeah, I almost feel like my dog now because when my doorbell rings, my dog goes crazy. So every time I hear a doorbell, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, what's that?" And like I get ready for I get ready for like barks and like I feel like I'm about to bark because I'm just like I cannot hear a doorbell anymore without thinking about barking and it's yep. like I can't and it's sad. That's hilarious. Um, okay, so I have a personal question then because yeah. I want to know what you have to say, if anything, about stone fruit allergies, because I can't eat any of them. And I'm kind of curious. I've always kind of gone with my gone with my gut, pun intended, on um, why I can't really tolerate stone fruits. And I think it's just because of the natural sorbitol that's in them. But like with apples and plums and peaches and apricots, um, pears, I can't eat any of those because I get like, I feel like I have IBS when I have those. Hmm. 
So did you actually get tested for the allergies and no. you have them or is it just sort of like it's you a, feel it? Yeah, I just I, I, mm. I, I notice pain and I get super bloated and super gassy every time I have those. So I just I wouldn't say it's an allergy, but I have a sensitivity. I think. Yeah, I think that you're right on. I don't. um it's interesting that you figured it out that it was sorbitol too. It it could be a number of those different short chain carbohydrates that are that are like you know are consistent among all of those fruits. It could just be that you might have like an overgrowth of a very specific type or like a you have you have a specific type of bacteria in your gut that doesn't really allow or, or maybe over digest those and that's what causes the bloating. So. With SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, there is actually bacteria that overgrows into the small intestine. And the small intestine is where we do all of our digestion and absorption. And so if we have a lot of this, we have a ton of gut bugs. They're, they are more localized to our large intestines. So you actually have two different intestines, right? You have the small and then the large is, is your colon and it goes around all the small intestine. So if you're feeling more cramping sort of like in your gut, right below your belly button and yet, and as opposed to like our it's hard for me to explain around kind of the outer sides of your of your abdomen. Um, you know, that's one thing to kind of think about is like, where is that bloating occurring? But I will say that if you have sort of that that bacterial imbalance, then short train carbohydrates, which that's what you're describing specifically in fruits that that a lot of people do have sensitivity to digesting fruit, that could be what's causing it. Do you take do you take any sort of um, probiotic? Do you eat probiotic foods and stuff like that or? I used to take probiotics and now I've kind of just when I am in the mood I eat them. So I love mm-hmm. kombucha and I love sauerkraut. Yeah. And great. fermented anything, but I don't eat them every single day. I just whenever they're around I'm like, "Oh, I want that." <laughs> right. And I and I hate to say this, but you you know, you've you've done a lot of damage to your body as have I over over the, you know, past couple of years, past few years, whatever, decades for me. Um and so it, that is something that that could have occurred during that time. And it may take a little, I'm not, you're definitely not going to be sensitive. I don't think so for the rest of your life. I think that this is just something right now that's maybe out of balance in your body. Um, Mm. So that's what I tell a lot of people too, is like, if you find that you have an intolerance to something or you have a sensitivity to something, you're not doomed for the rest of your life to have a sensitivity. It could be the terrain. It could be the microbiome or it's, so in other words, it's not the food that's like causing this, problem it's actually the the things that digest it so um you know working on healing that which takes a lot of time working on healing the gut wall and and you know with that's i typically recommend something like collagen and bone broth and probiotics maybe you know probiotic foods a lot of people aren't doing that um and then really trying to diversify your microbiome. I, I love a couple different brands of probiotics. Um, one of them is Prescriptacyst. And, you know, varying that probiotic supplement I just and varying your foods like you do just kind of naturally when you want to is, is, a, is a great kind of protocol for life in general. Mm-hmm. So, I've had mm-hmm. this tiny taste of what it's like to have sensitivities. But the one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to get you on the show is because I promote food freedom on all my podcasts. I think food freedom is one of the biggest keys to um, body freedom, just like accepting your body and living intuitively, not just eating intuitively, but living intuitively. But one of the biggest steps is having food freedom, allowing yourself to try new foods, to not have judgment, to be able to go into Whole Foods to the bar and like pick out 
scary foods that were always on your bad foods list and eat them. But one thing that I can't really resonate with is for all the people that have sensitivities and intolerances and they want food freedom, but they're, they, they at least, so there's two parts to this question, but the first part is they, let's say that someone is tested and they are sure that they have sensitivities and allergies to certain foods. How in the world do you practice food freedom and stop seeing food as good and bad when you have foods that you really strongly associate with bad because they don't make you feel good and you cannot have them? Yeah, so this is a very complicated topic. Um, I, the, so I'm just going to kind of go through uh, what I would go through with clients because I think this is something I'm really passionate about with clients is helping them figure out what foods are best for their body and also keep that intuitive and trust and not obsess uh, like the obsessive nature not with um, – d- don't allow that to develop with food. So I I first recommend that – if somebody is hoping to do some sort of 30-day elimination diet or they're, they're, they have an autoimmune disease and they'd like to go through autoimmune paleo, like the, a very specific autoimmune protocol, or they suspect that they have a gluten-free or they have a gluten allergy or intolerance or a, um, a lactose intolerance of some sort, I think it's really important to first make sure that you you kind of get you, – you build a team around you, right? So you, you have somebody – that helps you go through the process of is this food working for you and is this food not working for you? So somebody that can kind of be provide outside perspective, um, I think that's really, really helpful because if you're going to take yourself through, let's say, a 30-day elimination diet to see if gluten is a problem, you're not. it's going to be very hard for you to mentally work through all of that and then try to figure out what, okay, did I actually respond badly to it? Was that a, you know, did I do that properly? What if uh, maybe gluten is bad, but maybe, you know, it's not. And so having somebody to be like, hey, look, I, this, yes, this looks like it's a problem. This, this doesn't look like it's a problem. Let's, let's, or let's reintroduce this now. And, and having somebody to work with all of that with you is really important. And in addition, having somebody on your team that can help you unpack some of those body image, um, self-awareness kind of thoughts for you, like when certain thoughts come about and you're struggling, I think it's really important to have somebody kind of unpack all of that with you. So obviously, like, you know, going through your program, Maddie, or having a specific counselor that's that's well-educated in body image and body image issues, I, I really encourage people, if, if you still feel like, okay, I'm struggling with this, um, not just saying, okay, I'm going to go go for it either way, but I'm struggling, but I'm just going to go for it. Having that team of, okay, I have somebody helping me do figure out the intolerance, but I also have somebody with me figuring out how to help um, t- to treat my body with love throughout the process too and and nourish my or nurture my relationship with food at the same time that's that's really important um and second when i when i work with clients my goal is really to educate them about their body and food so like we just talked about here and help them find the food and the fitness that's that's right for them and build a positive relationship with their body and to teach them to trust it and be confident in it and that's kind of a like that's all a tall order but that's that's really what i'm i'm passionate about and with me and, and the clients that I work with, I, it really comes down to mindset and the language that is used around food. So instead of saying, okay, this is what I think for you. you, you should, you should, I want you to stop eating dairy for 30 days. I would say something like, 
let's consider what it would be like if you chose not to consume dairy for 30 days. And I let them kind of sit and marinate with that and them to kind of picture, okay, what if I did choose to do that? What would that look like? What would I need to substitute? So the cream in my coffee, could I try coconut cream or is there something else that I could do? And I let them kind of unpack that and work through that. And we never, never using the words can't, right? Because in reality, all foods are available to us at all the time. And, and I, this is maybe controversial, but I think that whether you have an intolerance or not, you are, all of the foods are always available to you. The foods are just there. They're existing. They're foods. You can choose to eat them or not. And I, I personally, I know I have the choice to, to eat dairy or not. I know I have the choice to eat gluten or not. And there may be, there may be trade-offs, but um, I, I, can, I can eat it if I really, really wanted to, right? Like I, it's there. And so I'm making the choice not to eat it. And, so, and, and I'm really passionate about just taking the power back from food because for so long it was, it had so much power in my life because I gave it personality. It became good or bad or fattening or whatever. And so it, just refocusing myself and, and recognizing that food as an entity is just an innocent bystander. And, and we as humans, we're the ones that give it all of these characteristics and give it the power to, um, or, or we just, we give it, we give it power periods so that we can manipulate it and feel like we're in control when actually it's controlling us. Right. But, um, so just because a food isn't optimal to your body doesn't mean that it's all of a sudden now bad. It's still just an innocent food, like bystander. It's just there. It's just food. You can still eat it. You, you always have the choice to, but you have the choice also to avoid certain foods if you want to based on how they make you feel. And I'm, you might um, be able to kind of relate to this, but oftentimes I, I think it's very interesting because when we start to kind of have that more intuitive relationship with food where we're like, okay, I can pretty much eat anything, but I'm going to eat what works best for me. We, we find that a lot of the foods that we called bad or wrong or we thought that we desperately loved and desired and binged on or foods we actually didn't even like. Like the foods that I thought I just were like, oh, the foods I, don't, I just don't even like, like, I don't, I didn't even really like them. And it took me a while to actually realize like, oh my gosh, I gave so much power to this food that it was like the bad food. And I, it was the one thing I couldn't eat because it was so bad for me, but I, just, I didn't even like it. Like if I would actually just removed all of that power from it and taken it back, I would have realized like, no, nope, not really even anything I want. And I think that one of the big things with intuitive eating for me and where a lot of the empowerment came for me was... Yes, intuitive eating is about saying yes to the things that you desire, but it's also about saying no to the things that you don't you know aren't going to be right for you and not feeling the emotional um, deprivation or physical drain or mental you know mental craziness that comes with saying no to something. And that's that's been the true power for me in the intuitive eating thing is like, cool, I can say no to that, but I can get a lot of um emotional fulfillment and sati satiation and I can feel awesome with any like all of these other foods and that this is this is really just a food this is just a food and, I, and I'm just saying no to it and it's just there and that's fine it's not bad it's just I it's not right for me do you remember a time like when you realized your mindset was changing like you went from being feeling controlled about the food and then you started practicing this with all your meals and then you realized oh my goodness like 
a transformation has happened within me. <laughs> no, because it took so long yeah. to do. I think. I mean, it, it was it was pretty much over the course of a year. I started. Mm-hmm. It's honestly right. It so coincided when when I stopped going crazy about my workouts. I think oh, I was. Oh, we're so like. I'm sorry. Isn't that, isn't that <laughs> funny? Like I I just when I like relaxed with my workouts and I did walks yes. and I you know lifted and I stopped doing all the cardio. It was like. A lot of that into like I was able to I was so much more in tune with what my body was needing that like I I kind of was like cool I, I you know and also the more that you're involved with the field of nutrition the more you realize the little you know and so I have evolved over time to being coming very passionate about r- understanding that there are such a variety of diets out there that all different types of people can do and they can find health with them. And so that kind of, you know, be the education on that point and being like, yeah, no, you can eat rice. Like, it's not a bad thing. Like, you can eat rice. It's really not going to hurt you. And um, kind of having that, that relationship with it again where it's like, do I want this or do I not? That all, you know, that took a while to happen. But it did. It started with re- releasing myself from feeling chained to certain specific workouts. So. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that like where you ended up with food and the way that you eat is going to be different from my listeners. Like not everyone is the same, you know. Mm -hmm. So like for anyone listening, thinking, well, you know, I need to be eating a lot more of like this kind of food or this food. But it's all it's seriously so individual down to every single person. Like for me. Honestly, I don't do that well with much fat in my diet. I do well with a good amount, but I don't know if it's because of um, anything going on on the inside, but I feel most energized when I eat tons of plants and <laughs> tons of berries, tons of grains, and, and then meat here and there, like, because that's what makes me feel really good. And that's different for everyone. It's different for you. So I think that when people are trying intuitive eating and they're trying to figure figure out what works for them, there has to be that like constant reminder that there's no judgment in where you end up. And you don't mm-hmm. have to have that pressure to find that place you end up because it's a, you're always evolving, like you said, like you're changing. And especially if you're into the nutrition, um, into nutrition and in the books and the field and you're a practitioner, then you will be changing always. Your body is no different. And if you're living Mm -hmm. intuitively, then you're going to find out like you're not always going to want to be the same. And if you continue to fight it, if you continue to fight like what your body is craving and the kind of movement your body is craving so much, then that's when the difficulties start. And that's when it's like you just can't figure out what works for you and all the stress comes on. Right. Yeah. So the fact that I follow a specific protocol that works best for me doesn't mean that it's going to be best for for everybody. And I think there's so much freedom in that because it's really funny. You're a lot like Stephanie. She really thrives on a lot of carbs. And we, I joke her all the time because she's like 12 apples a day and it's just like her thing. And uh, she you know, talks about how she can't digest fats very well. And for me, I eat a much higher fat diet and I find that I have way more energy with that. And I don't feel well when I eat a like a higher amount of like mm-hmm. fruit in general fruit doesn't really make me feel that well and so it's just such I, I've just developed such an appreciation I, to be honest our ancestors if you think about it you're like our ancestors so let's let's say whatever 500 AD just even a couple thousand years ago what they were doing to what they were doing what they were forging all varied based on where they located so certain traditional cultures even to this day um in in the asian countries are 
I think there's there's maybe one still in existence in, in Indonesia, but they have a very high carbohydrate diet. They get a lot of potatoes, sweet potatoes, plant-based foods, that sort of thing. And then there's also cultures that we have uh, a llot of evidence from pre, you know, 1900s when they were still not exposed to a lot of the, the modern processing and denaturing. They ate 80 to 90 percent of their calories from fat and animal foods, and they were thriving and happy. And they didn't, because of where they lived, they didn't have exposure to a lot of fruits and a lot of carbs. And and so I think it's really important to kind of have that mentality when you're considering what's going to work best for you and even remembering that what's working best for you right now may not work best for you in two years mm-hmm. or three years. So being willing to be flexible and say, I'm going to add more carbs back and see how I feel or I'm going to add more fat and see how I feel. You, you've got to have that flexibility as you go through life. So, Yeah, you're always changing and it, especially when it comes to movement. Like I've been talking about um, I've been talking about this for a while, but like my movement desires have been changing and there are some underlying fears a little bit, just like, oh my gosh, I'm no longer going to be doing this or doing this. And if I stop doing this, then my body is going to look different, but it no longer really matters to me. Like <laughs> I would rather have that one hour in my day doing something that I love than feeling like I have to do something because it'll keep me looking a certain way like I my body no matter what is gonna pretty much stay the same like I know that but there's that constant little voice like that you you have when you're younger and you're going through this kind of stuff that kind of sticks around but you just have better ways of shutting it up and you know you have bet more bigger values in your life so even though that I'm not lifting weights anymore doesn't mean that I'm becoming a different person it means I'm becoming more of myself because I am following my intuition and nothing beats that that is gold and that that's really my priority these days and Mm -hmm. forever yeah yeah and I, I mean I'll be the first to admit like once you have a specific or once you even though I'm I'm would definitely categorize myself as on the other side of of some of the issues that I had ex- I've experienced I still struggle with um you know judging myself and judging others based on appearance because it's still this like kind of like it wants to come up and peer its ugly head sometimes and I have to it's just you know I have to refocus and and um kind of talk myself out of that and negate some of those what negative thoughts that I'm having either about myself or my situation or whatever with positive ones and and constantly kind of reinforce the new behavior I've learned. So it's not necessarily that, you know, I'm healed and I am, you know, raise the roof. I'm happy. Like all is well. It's it's still things that you struggle with. um, And it's still, you know, as you become more intuitive with yourself and with your body and you start to change things up and you, you kind of debunk your own food and fitness rules that you've made for yourself continually, it's, you're gonna have a just a little bit of doubt. And so it's, it's totally normal to have that. Like, I don't, you know, I don't want people to think that like, oh, I still struggle and nobody, you know, everybody else doesn't. It really, it's something that everybody else still struggles with. It's just, we're all kind of, you know, on a better path and, and, and really reinforcing ourselves with that, that, positive behavior and I and I do think that it will stick more like for me in the future like five years down the road or something I think that I'll probably be closer to having that sort of um, better mentality overall and I'll, I'll have to negate those thoughts less 
but yeah, something we all still struggle with. So I see it as like a library and mm. people who people who are just now starting their journey and, and really sick and tired of doing the same old self-sabotaging habits, they're like just getting their library card, right? So they're just going to the library and they're just starting to figure out, okay, what coping mechanisms can I adopt now that are healthier, make me feel better, make me happier? Whereas we've been going to the library for a year, two years, three years now, and we've got a collection of stuff that we can now crack open whenever we feel stressed. So instead of going to the same old book that we were reading all the time that never made us feel good when we closed it now we have a huge library full of like oh I can go do this and it makes me feel great and I can do this and I know that this will make me feel awesome whether it's journaling or it's meditation or it's yoga or it's lifting weights for some people or it's cooking cleaning whatever it is we just know those things make us feel so much better so people who are just now getting their library card can calm down and relax because they have abundance waiting for them and they have a huge journey ahead of them and there's no rush and as long as you have that open mind and you're ready and you're willing and you're committed to just setting up your future for to feel better like you just want to start feeling good again you want to feel intuitive well you're just starting so it's okay that you're not where all of us are but you will get there you will be there right yep and i could even kind of correlate that with people who are kind of like, well, I'm sensitive to gluten, and but I'm craving this this piece of bread. Like my intuition is saying that this is going to be good. And I want, you know, how do I have food freedom when I can't have it? And, you know, if you find if you find that that you're going through that, I, I think that it's best to make sure that you check yourself and see why you're desiring that food. Is it to soothe or shut out a specific feeling or emotion or to to still, you know, go back to those old behaviors? Or is it something that, or, you know, for me, it was a lot of, of um, working or like covering up some of the stress I was feeling. Um, so are there new behaviors in your life now that you can use instead of what you used to do, which is use food? And if it's not, then that's great. And it's generally something you want. I'm almost positive that you will be able to find other foods, other things. <laughs> Nowadays, there's like, you know, there's brownies that are like free of all allergen food. Like there's all these great foods now that are that exist that you can use in place of the foods that you're now sensitive to. But I would also encourage you to explore other things, you know, other things that or other foods that may give you the same emotional fulfillment. So, yeah. And, yeah. and one more thing that reminded me, I do want to add there so I, I, in my personal experience, I think it's really important to actually be 100% positive that you have a real sensitivity or allergy to something before you go and throw away all of your food. Because for me, I cut out foods and I convinced myself that I needed to when in reality I didn't need to. But I wanted to start a diet so badly. I wanted to be in the club. I wanted to feed my my addiction to control my food that I told myself I have a sensitivity to grains. I have it to dairy. I have it to beans. I have it to alcohol and to sugar and to everything else in this world. I have a sensitivity to because I cut it out for a month and I felt good. I told myself I felt good. I honestly, looking back, I didn't feel any different. I just wanted another diet that wasn't bodybuilding, that wasn't vegan, that wasn't vegetarian because I'd done all those. So I needed something new. So 
I, I know a lot of people do this. I know a lot of people are going through this right now. They're cutting out things. It's an exciting like time to be able to have a new idea of self-sabotage. And if you have that kind of mindset where you know deep down you really are doing this to feed your desire to control, it's not the way and it's going to keep you in the cycle. So if you have a real sensitivity, a real allergy, then that that then all this applies. You, you should definitely go find other options and... Um, it's good to know to be certain that you shouldn't be eating those foods. But if you don't and you're really just cutting out things to cut out to control that desire, I highly recommend you go to a doctor or you get tested and you see and you get results back and you see if you really do need to cut these things out. And to add on to that, that doesn't mean that you can't not eat certain foods because they don't make you feel best. But you now have that freedom and option and you know you can. I just want to have that distinction. I think it's really crucial that the people who just really want to have an allergy but don't don't use that as an excuse to not eat something to feel restricted you know what I'm saying yeah absolutely yeah I mean you can absolutely use you know I've seen it and I tried it (laughs) like you you want to take these intolerances and make them excuses and really they're just new food rules Mm -hmm. right and so then they become the thing that that again is how you identify yourself and your new rule for yourself and so it is really important to understand if something's really an intolerance to you and I encourage people to explore that and to test that further and to figure out exactly um, how that is truly affecting you before you start marrying that idea and and manifesting that idea within yourself (laughs) so yeah Mm. okay cool all right so are you ready for the quick fire round yes (laughs) no pressure okay no pressure (laughs) Uh, okay so easy questions (laughs) if we were to have a last meal together what would your last meal be i love shepherd's pie it's got like Mm. um I love ground beef and so it's got ground beef and it's got Japanese I have this recipe that has Jap- used Japanese sweet potatoes on top and then you sprinkle a little bacon on top it's so oh good God. it's very it takes so much time like it's just one of those like long layering type of st- things that I don't get to make that often so when I when I do me and my husband are always like oh my gosh like it's just the best thing ever but that, that would be it so good okay yeah I'm gonna have to find that uh next question is current book that you're loving or reading <laughs> i'm reading taking charge of your fertility i know that's super oh, yeah. exciting <laughs> but i i hate reading books for pleasure i just am horrible at it i usually read books to learn things and right now this one is totally rocking my world i really think it's awesome for natural birth control i think every woman should be required to read it to be honest <laughs> after they get their period i think it's just so amazing and so empowering to know your cycle to know all of those little things both for fertility and natural birth control so yeah. yeah, I'll have to have you back on the show again to talk about that because I think that's a hot topic, mm-hmm. um, one that I'm very interested in. Okay, next question. What is your go-to snack? I – lots of things. I <laughs> I do – I just got a fresh jar of almond butter, so that's, like, what's on my mind because I had, didn't have that for a few weeks. And I just, like – I love, of course, fat, but I love go- quick and easy things like that. I typically love – this is so – sounds hilarious and my even my mom's like you're eating this for breakfast but I'll typically have like two eggs and then a little bit later I'll toss carrot like baby carrots and broccoli in olive oil and salt and pepper 
And to me, that's just so I'll probably go eat this after after we get off here because I just love that. Like to me, it's like, oh, it's all the vegetables and it's the nice olive oil and it, it's smooth. And so mm. that's that's what I eat a lot every day. I at least eat that. Mm, so sounds good. <laughs> so what's your go to band or artist? I love electronic dance music, so I'm a big fan of things like Skrillex and Corella and Diplo and some of the DJs that make like crazy music. I love it. That's what I work <laughs> out to. That's actually like what just that's what I rock out to when I'm working at home. It's so funny if you were to see like I have a transition desk that I can sit or stand on. And so like I stand up and I'll just like dance while I'm working. It's it's so funny. But yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. What is your go to? um well, what's your way to distress? What's your favorite way to distress at the end of a day? I would say it's probably sitting on the couch with my husband and watching a show that we love. We typically love watching either like home shows. There's this one, a couple shows on HGTV that we absolutely love. Um, and there's one, a couple on that we love. It's one of them's called The Prophet. And we both kind of just like have so much fun with it. We're like, oh, we like that. And, da, 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 da. and just being with him and spending time with him, we don't get to spend a lot of time together. That's probably one of the big I don't watch a lot of TV so it's kind of weird for me to say like TV but I guess that's why it is kind of a major de-stressor yeah. for me so yeah I completely relate I love TV you know yeah. and I, I know Stephanie does too no shame <laughs> in loving your shows yeah I love the Real Housewives I haven't been able to watch them <laughs> in like the last I don't know three or four weeks because I've been super busy but yeah I that is like my one thing that I'm just like de-stress about yeah so my, sh with. my show that I, my guilty pleasure show is um, Celebrity Housewife Swap. I think that's what it's called. But oh, yeah. The celebrities swap their wives. I think it's hilarious. It's yep. so funny. It is funny. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but it's funny. Okay. Um, yep. Favorite animal? First thing that's coming to my mind is a sheep because we've been talking a lot about this on the podcast. That's my power animal because I am I am just so like so my initial thing would be like the tiger because it's fast and efficient and it's you know whatever and that I, that is part of my life all of the time. So really what's inspirational to me is something like a sheep because it needs guidance, it gives up control, it has a shepherd and that's so that's my animal. <laughs> That is an amazing answer. That is an amazing yeah. reason. Like, I, my mind is kind of blown because I'm always like, shit, that's sad. But honestly, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. Favorite color? Oh, this is so hard. It was pink for so long. I love, like, a deep, hot pink. Right now, it's it's either between I, – I love orange. You'll see that all throughout my website. I love – so I'll go with that, orange. Orange. Okay. And last one is favorite city. I think whatever one I'm living in at the time, I, I have to, I mean, I would love to say like, oh, New York City, it's so much fun. But honestly, I, I really have enjoyed every spot that I've lived in. So my husband's in the military and right now we're just in a, in a really cool city and we, we, we take steps to really make sure that each city that we're in becomes our own and we get to explore it and get to know it really well. And so that's kind of the attitude I've taken with that. Nice. <laughs> the city good. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the um, grow where you're planted mindset. So yeah. I like that. Yeah. All yeah. right. And this has been such a pleasure. What? Where can my uh, Where can my listeners find you? Where can they go now? Yeah. So I do a podcast with Stephanie Rupert. It's called the Paleo Women Podcast. We both aren't really paleo. I mean, we are, but um, we talk a lot about women's issues and body image and all of the things. And my website is um, coconutsandkettlebells.com. 
All right. I love it. And I love your show. So I definitely recommend people, people of the world, go subscribe to their podcast. It's amazing. I will make sure that I have all of the links to your site and to your podcast on the show notes for this. And this is maddiemoon.com slash MBM 55. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Noelle. Thanks for having me. This has been a blast. See you later. All right, girl.